Awesome. Thanks, Chrissy. Everyone say thanks, Chrissy. Excellent. Hey, that boot camp bundle, just to reiterate, uh, how, how many guys, anyone have any like, f- like physical goals about your physical health this year you're implementing? Any of you guys? Yep, 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 yep. A few of you in the room. I have, it's probably my greatest uh, opportunity of growth this year uh, because I've already grown and now I need to grow the other way. And, uh, <laughs> But uh, how many know that your physical growth is important, your emotional growth is important, your social growth is important, but your spiritual growth is important, amen? And some of us have a few extra pounds in, uh, in the identity category where we are a little spiritually obese, if you know what I mean. And this boot camp bundle is 12 amazing sessions on really restoring that foundation and identity, connection with God and others, and also hearing God's voice. And so uh, if, if you're looking for just kind of that recharge in the year, kind of refocus you in those specific areas, that's kind of what that boot camp bundle is designed to do. It's kind of Kingdom 101. Uh, so it is something great to kind of walk out with in a group. Um, there are devotionals, there's questions, there's declarations, there's handouts. It's really an awesome thing. It's probably one of the best resources we've ever put together, quite honestly, uh, from a thoroughness standpoint. So uh, grab that bootcamp bundle. You can do the USBs out there or digital download on generation1.org. Okay. All right. Well, we are uh, just going to jump in here. We are actually going to live stream this message today uh, on Facebook. Nothing super fancy here, um, but we are going to do it. And is it already going, Chrissy? Or it is already going. Okay, so welcome if you're watching on Facebook right now. Um, so, uh, so I'm just really excited about uh, that opportunity to um, get this message out today uh, because of the prophetic nature of the message um, that I do have. How many know we're starting a new year, right? We're starting a new year. We're starting a new season. And uh, ultimately, we're starting a new decade, aren't we? It's uh, look at your neighbor and say, it's the next 10 years. It's the next 10 years, and we have a lot in front of us, don't we? You know, uh, just in review, the last 10 years have been very interesting. Um, There was a lot of firsts in the last 10 years. Uh, For some of you, uh, if you've driven, ridden in an Uber before, you did that for the first time in the last 10 years, didn't you? Any, any Uber riders, drivers, riders and drivers, go ahead. You know, I mean, there's been like, if you think about the things that have changed um, in the last 10 years, you posted for the first time on Instagram. You found out what a story was for the first time in the last 10 years. We could keep going on with the cultural phenomenon. You decided to be a food snob in the last 10 years. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And um, there's many things that launched and, and uh, came into the last 10 years. And it was a very interesting year because it was really a year of great change. And it was really the definition, there was a redefinition that was happening because of the cultural integration of technology. And if you look at where we're at in 2010, where you're at today, how many know there's more technology integrated in your life? There is. And so there, uh, any uh, click list people in the room? You know, anybody online shoppers with home delivery? Let's just bless the Lord for that right now. Thank you, Lord, for that increase in the last 10 years. And so um, it's really been a, a decade in the past. It was very unstable in some moments, though, wasn't it? Because we were learning a lot of new things. We were discovering our values. Millennials have really been, in the last 10 years, asking the question, what do we believe? What are we motivated by? And uh, there's a lot of negative things and commentary about the millennials. Um, I'm not a millennial. I am an excerpt. Um, I'm right in the middle of you baby boomers and you millennials. And so I'm caught in the middle of all the angst of... uh, you know, grunge music, flannels, and ripped jeans, you know, the 90s. woo um, And so, uh, 
And so there's, but there's this transition that's been happening because millennials are the uh, new largest generation on the earth. Boomers, you were the largest in history. Millennials are now the newest largest generation that's ever been on the earth at one time in recorded history. And so there's this large question that every generation asks. And the question is, what's important to us? What, what does it mean? What is the meaning of life? What is the significance of life? And so it created a lot of instability because traditional values began to be uh, questioned, didn't they? They did. They began to get questioned. Things that for 50 years we hadn't questioned began to get questioned. The last time we saw question uh, at scale like this was in the late 1960s, boomers. <laughs> you were the last generation to create a level of destabilization because of the drastic difference in values that were being introduced. And how many know that there's not a right value and a wrong value? How many know that it's not that black and white? How many know there isn't one generation that's right and one generation that's wrong? Yeah? How many of that we're all on a journey of growth, aren't we? And so in that journey of growth is really the tension of wisdom that says, how do we take what we've built upon and carry it forward as we progress into new things? How, we, how many know we need the both and, not the and or? So there, there's a need for us to realize that some of the central conflict culturally and socially was not that things were bad, it's that millennials are starting to become leaders, which means their voice matters, which means you have to pay attention to it, which means you have to engage it. And so I really believe that there's a need in this next 10 years, I'm going to talk a lot about the decade, not necessarily 2020 in my message today, but I really believe that there's a need for wisdom like never before so that we can begin to build and integrate with the things that have been stirred up. How many know that you can only um, have demolition of a house for so long before there's not a house that's standing? If you just begin to do demo, and then you do demo the next day, and demo the next day, how many know you're just going to be left with some concrete in the ground? And so at some point, when you deconstruct, you have to start to rebuild. I think deconstruction is a healthy thing. You can call it decluttering if that's a little less offensive for you, you know. It's like, you know, why do we got to be so drastic, Drew? Why are we destroying things? Okay, it's called decluttering. <laughs> Any, anyone loves spring cleaning? Anybody in the room? Spring cleaning, yep. And so, uh, you know, right now I need to deconstruct some pounds in my body. Hallelujah. You know, I could stand to lose about 25 or 30. And, uh, and there's a need, though, in seasons where we push hard, we grow, we gain ground, but then we have to ask the question, how do we stabilize, how do we sustain, or how do we hold the ground that we've gained? And I really believe that these are some central focuses that are going to um, really take center stage in the next 10 Years About 18 months ago, the Lord spoke to me that I needed to get ready. And actually, he said get ready about two years ago, but he gave me context for why the readiness was central. And I don't know if any of you guys were here in the beginning of 2018, but I did, a, I, did I think, six weeks on this idea of redefinition. Um, any of you guys remember some of the, that conversation, a few of you guys in the room? And I spent a lot of time on this idea that it was time to send Ishmael into the wilderness. How many know that if Isaac is the seed of promise, but you try to do something in your own strength, that the thing that was done in the own strength will be a distraction to the thing that was truly ordained of the Lord? Can I get a big amen? And so that was happening in the story of Abraham was that Isaac was be or Ishmael was becoming a distraction to the promise of Isaac. And so Ishmael represented man's ability. Isaac represents God's ability to do something for us. And so the seed of promise had to elevate. And there's a lie that we are is easy for us to believe. And the lie is this in the scenario that if I send out Ishmael, Isaac will never see its full potential. Anyone ever, um, you know, we on, on Facebook, they, they have a relationship status and it's called, it's complicated. 
It was, uh, you know, it was actually quite, you know, engaging when it happened whenever 10 years ago for the first time. And that was a new thing that we had where we publicly endorsed relationships with a person as it's complicated. And, and what basically the sentiment behind that is, I'm scared that I'm going to miss out. And so I hold on to a level of relational access that has no commitment to it so that if something good comes along, I can be available to jump ship and say, well, you knew it was complicated. You knew we didn't have a commitment. And so I'm able to go do the thing that I really want to do now that I just became aware of was available. <laughs> yeah? And, uh, and so, and so there, there's a need, I believe, for us to in this kind of flexible season that we were in to realize that this is not a time just to keep our options open. I think there was, there was a grace almost on the last 10 years to be like, wait and see. And, and, and it was leveraged at the extreme point with it's complicated in our relationships. But it was because we're trying to figure out where is truth at? Where is the boundaries at? What actually is good for us as a society? What do we want in our government structure? What do we want as social policy? Do we need policy for social things? Lots of interesting conversations happening today. And in this engagement, there's been a redefinition that's been happening and I tell you what, if you are scared of what you don't understand, you can run away during times of redefinition. You see, because things are getting redefined, and whenever things are redefined, it causes transition, doesn't it? And so transition is never easy because it requires us to move. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to move. And actually, you should have moved. <laughs> and if you haven't moved, it's not too late, but you need to. And, and so I, I really felt that the Lord was giving us a, an early understanding of what it meant to get our, our lives positioned for what God was about to do in the 2020s. And so redefinition is central for those who want to overcome and realize their potential. And it really looks a lot it looks like that Ishmael Isaac scenario of redefining the relationship of who the blessing of the inheritance goes to. But how many of it also looks a little bit like David, who isn't going to be a warrior who wears Saul's armor. He's going to be the shepherd assassin he was trained to be. And some of us have been wearing Saul's armor for a long time and we needed to shake it off. Now, what does Saul's armor look like, practically speaking? It looks like unnecessary expectations. It looks like commitments that you have in your life that have been competing commitments to your purpose. Have you guys ever been committed to something and that commitment lasted far, far too long and it became a drag in your life? We've all been there. Um, and, and yet there's a sense of responsibility that we have to follow through. But how many of the commitments need a beginning and an end, don't they? They need begin, they need definition. And so I believe that there's been a lot of people in the church who were unwilling to move off of prior expectations and adjust with the wineskin with what God wanted to do next. And so we've shown up to church, and when we showed up to church, all of us good Christians said, Well, hey, if you're gonna slay a giant, you better put on that armor. Because people who slay giants need armor according to our past experience. But how many of you know there was something inside of David where he had been formed in the secret place and came out as a prototype of the new giant slayer? Come on. And it did not require Saul's armor. He had to shake off that armor, shake off those old wineskins, shake off that old expectation and step into the new thing and allow himself to be the prototype of redefinition. I'm going to redefine what a giant slayer looks like. I don't need this limitation. I don't need this expectation. I'm not, I'm limited to this type and shadow. It can also look like this. And how many know that a great victory happened that day? Everyone was pretty excited about this little rock-slinging, ruddy, not-invited-to-the-party individual. Any, anyone ever felt uninvited? And yet you know you have the solution for what's next. That's pretty much how I felt for the last 10 years. Window into Drew Neal's world. Um, 
And so there is a need for us to realize that God is moving in cycles. And so we can get pretty excited about the year itself. And I think that there's plenty of access to annual themes all over the internets. I mean, I mean, it, it cracks me up every single year how many words of the Lord there are in December and January. It's like, who's right? I don't know. This one says the world's ending. This one lives in la-la land. This one over here thinks government's important. This one over here says family's important. What is God actually doing? And the truth is, is that God's doing a lot of things right now, isn't he? He's doing a lot of things, and, uh, and so what I think it's important is to kind of pull out of the how is this, how is what's going to happen in the next year going to impact me? Get out of that question. I want to talk about how is what God's doing around the whole world going to impact us? Is that all right? I want to pull it out of that. And so um, I'm going to call my message today and actually next week, um, I'm going to call it Roar. And I really believe that we are about to go into a powerful um, 10 years of revisiting the Roaring Twenties. And the Lord spoke that to me 18 months ago. I have it in my journal to get ready for the Roaring Twenties. And that we were going to revisit. I don't know if you remember last year, my word for, as I introduced the year, because I have a word for the year. Because I'm a preacher and you, you got to do that so you can clutter up the space. Um, but my word in context of the cycle was revisitation. Because I believe the Lord was wanting us to get ready to go back to understand how things happened previously. So we'd be aware of how to gain breakthrough the next time we come up against those things. And, uh, and so I believe we are coming up into one of the most prosperous decades that we have ever seen in civilization history. And when I say most prosperous, not only will it be the volume of prosperity, but it will be the democratization of prosperity as well. And I'm not saying that from a policy standpoint. I'm saying that from more people are going to have access to wealth because of how it's already been proliferating for the last 35 years. We, in the last 35 years, we've eliminated 50% of the world's poverty. It's radical. Um, we're going to gain even more ground in the next 10 years. It may even be... Um, it, I think it's going to be unprecedented, actually. Technology, artificial intelligence, many things are going to impact that. And so this is going to be a, a decade, I believe, of the roaring 20s. I've been seeing some people post about that because they're history buffs talking about that, and I love it. Um, but I believe that this experience of the roar of God is twofold. Everyone say it's twofold. It's twofold, and the, 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 the idea of this is really sovereignty and promotion, Look at your neighbor and say, sovereignty and promotion. Sovereignty and promotion. And so I really believe that there is an experience that God's wanting to bring to us in his sovereignty and in his promotion to get us ready. And uh, But before I do that, I want to talk about a lion real quick. Um, if you guys can remember, as I've shared um, or as we experienced even together, um, was that we, were, uh, we had a prophetic word by Doug Addison talking about the angel of the wind of change. How many of you guys remember that prophetic word and some of those experiences? And so um, I told the Lord that if there was some type of angelic assignment, I'm not a seer. I don't see angels. Um, lots of people here in the room, you guys do. Um, lots of friends that I have see in the spirit as well. I don't do that. Um, but I want to, uh, because if it's happening, I want to I know what's going on. <laughs> and so when this word came to us, I was uh, very direct with the Lord in my expectation of saying, Lord, if you're going to create an assignment for us, I want to interact with this angel. I don't just want to do this by faith. I want to tangibly experience this assignment between the months of May and September of 2018. You guys know the story. A few weeks later, I'm on an airplane, and as I was flying out to Malaysia, flying out to Singapore, um, that there was a vi I was visited by the Lord. It was an angelic form uh, showing itself as a lion, 
And it, this wasn't in my mind's eye. This was not some, you know, looking out a window and getting caught in an open vision. I literally tangibly saw a lion walking down the aisle. I could sense God's glory. I could sense his presence in a very unique and powerful way. Um, I've been serving the Lord all of my life. I've had many dynamic encounters with God. I've never experienced anything like this, but I knew it was the Lord the moment that I experienced it. And so this lion began to walk down the aisle of first class. I was in the first row of Comfort Plus, and I had a little extra room in front of me. And uh, this lion came, and it sat down in front of me on the ground, and it looked at me, and in a knowing, not in an audible voice, but in a knowing, it told me, it said, you know I'm going with you, right? And for the next two hours, it was like there was an energy of, of light and life that was flowing out of this lion into me. I have someone sitting here and here. I'm next to the window, and I'm literally just trembling under the power of God. They must have thought I was a whack job. I mean, I mean, the only thing that would have been crazier would have been like, isn't this lion cool, you know? Um, I didn't need their affirmation for the encounter that I was in, um, but uh, there was, I was, I knew that I was being radically impacted on the inside. I knew God was rewiring something inside of me. And, and so there were a lot of promises that came, mantles that came with this angel. You guys, we won't get into that. Um, but this lion showed up and, uh, and I really believe it brought wisdom and innovation to us in a, in a powerful mandated way. And it's really been kind of what's opened up this idea of entrepreneurial impact, literacy, growth and development in Detroit. And a lot of these solutions that we've had is what got me to Washington in the last year, uh, multiple times, working with national leaders, state leaders. There's been divine favor and a shift. And the idea behind this uh, experience with the angel of the wind to change was that it would bring a very direct wind, if you will, and bring things into alignment. And so the difference in this was the angel of the winds of change would swirl and just kind of blow things up and, uh, and, 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 just, and just kind of get them off the ground to be reordered. The angel of the wind of change would blow very directly and it would bring things into alignment. And I have to tell you that the experience out of this encounter was that I felt like the inside of me came into alignment. Um, you know, I've been serving in ministry um, as an adult now for 20 years. I've been building in ministry all of my life. I've built many ministries. Many of them were very visible, um, you know, especially through my 20s. And, uh, and so the, the Lord has just, he's done a lot. I've said yes to the Lord in a lot of different ways. Um, but, you know, there was something that I had gained in every single one of those seasons that didn't know how to relate with what I'd gained in one of the other seasons. Have, have you guys ever felt like your purpose was a tapestry and you had all the pieces of cloth for it, but you didn't have the thread to sew it all together? That, that's really where I felt like I was at. And it was getting quite frustrating because um, I... I I do have a high capacity as a leader. I'm able to do a lot of things. I've grown in my gifting. I've said yes to a lot. I have talented parents who taught me a lot. I've had, you know, just great support in that sense. I have the ability to do many things. And, uh, and it was always kind of confusing for me because it's God, God, what exactly do you want me to do? God, where, how does my purpose solve a very specific problem? That's a powerful question for us to ask. And, uh, and so uh, what happened in this moment was a convergence for me, right, where the Lord began to give me clarity on how the things that were inside of me would relate to one another, how they would come together, how they would synergize, that I could get what was on the inside of me on the outside of me. And I tell you what, my impact has grown at multiple levels. My influence has grown in the last 18 months more than it has in any other time of my life. And, and so there was uh, the nickname for this as well. This is a long introduction, longer than I thought. But this is good because it's going to create context for really what I want to say today. But the, the idea was that productivity was going to increase. That when there's alignment, things begin to move. How many of that in a car, if you've got a, a, a piston not firing at the right time, 
Come on, you need all that to work in concert with one another. You know, if you go to a symphony orchestra and you watch those violins, the bow of the violin, it's like you see 35 of them and they're moving at the same time. And if you hear something off, it's because one's not moving at the same time. And so our lives oftentimes can look like a symphony full of talented people with no sheet music. And they're playing whatever they want to play. And, and, and it's like, I know that I'm gifted. I know that I can sound good. I know so many songs that I haven't memorized. But when you get all the different pieces at the same time in the same room, how many know you need sheet music to keep everyone in concert? And so I was like, um, that five minutes before the orchestra plays where they all are tuning their instrument and doing whatever they want to do. You know, you know, it's that chaotic moment of sound before they get unified. And a lot of the last 10 years has been that five minutes before the orchestra plays. And it's been hard to know who was who and what was what and who was in key and who was out of key and who was supposed to be there and who actually has talent right now. Like, what is going on? Like, what is the Lord and what is not the Lord? What's me and what's the pizza talking? You know, like, what is going on? And there was this destabilizing component that was uh, uh, in our atmosphere, I really believe around the world, because things have needed to be redefined. We needed the flexibility to adjust. And so I believe that this visitation of the angel of the wind of change over us was about giving us confidence that that season was coming to an end and it was time to put our hand on the plow. It was time to document things. It was time to declare truth. It was time to actually put things in order. It was time to begin to build. Demo day was done. I've said this five different ways now. I think I have a good foundation there. And so sovereignty and promotion are really there. Um, I, and I, I want to say before I jump into the sovereignty piece that there's a message that you should probably go listen to. Chris Valentin gave it, I believe, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And it's all about sovereignty. And I was really touched by hearing his message. And I think he gave great language for some things I was feeling and sensing. And, uh, and so sovereignty was kind of uh, language that I adopted to kind of express what I want to do. Go listen to that message. It's really going to touch you and bless you. But the idea of sovereignty is that I believe God is about to declare his reign in the earth. And the idea of sovereignty is that God is able to do what he needs to do when he wants to do it. Amen? How, any, anybody hear the message that Chris gave by chance? Some of you guys in the room? Now, I'm, I actually, I've, I've only listened to two messages from Bethel Church all this year. Um, I, don't, I haven't kept in touch. Um, but someone told me I need to listen to that. And it was a message that I feel like we all should listen to. And the, and the idea is this, is that God's central, his highest level of truth is that he doesn't want to violate love. And in that truth and not violating love, he keeps you powerful to manage you, doesn't he? And we've spent a lot of time over the last 15 years kind of deconstructing this weird idol of God being a puppet master and us being a puppet and not having to accept responsibility for our actions, how many guys know that the empowerment of the kingdom demands that we are responsible for ourselves? Amen. But as that is centrally true, it is also true that God has the ability to do what he needs to do when he needs to do it. Because sometimes we need a little bit of help. Can I get a big amen on that? And so if you've known me for any length of time, especially in this uh, journey of, of leading a local church, we, I, I have stood on the pulpit and said, God is not in control, he's in charge. And I stand by that today. How many know that God isn't controlling your every move, he's just in charge, come on, and we are operating in the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. Amen. All right. Woohoo. Unless we're not. 
which is the occasional moment where God intervenes on our behalf because we're unable to see or unable to understand. And there is something, I believe, coming in this next 10 years where this roaring 20s, if you will, is going to be set up by the idea that God is going to begin to speak on his own behalf. I believe there's a roar about to be released in the earth that is going to demand that the whole world pay attention to the almighty God. And this is not for control. This is not for heavy handedness. This is not for, you know, rule and reign over people. This is about God's goodness being seen in the earth in an unparalleled fashion that his love would be experienced in a way like we've never seen in the history of mankind. And so I really believe that God's about to do that. And, and this might be cheesy for some of you to like think about, but you know, I don't think anything happens by accident in the world. And I don't care um, if Kanye West is just trying to make a bunch of money and you know, doping all of us Christians by making a gospel album. I don't care if it's that or if he has had a radical encounter with God. Um, I lean more in that space because I got some intel. But I tell you what, when the most creative and innovative artist in the universe makes an album and declares Jesus is Lord and it's the number one on iTunes and the whole world's listening to it for months on end, I think God had something to do with it. Ha, come on, somebody. Jesus is Lord. You know, and like he's my favorite worship leader right now. I mean, it's Kanye West, and I, I don't even know if he's mentally stable. It's like, but if God can use a donkey, he can use me. He can use Kanye. He can use you. Come on, somebody. And so what's important is, is, is are we paying attention? Are we paying attention to get ourselves ready? You see, because God, it takes a sovereign act to take one of the wealthiest, most cultural, influential people in the world to, to say, I'm going to lay down the idol of my platform and sell out for Jesus. How many of that? That's a pretty sovereign act of God, I believe. This is something people have been praying for for years. God, let people of influence rise that we can see your glory made manifest and lead in the world. I mean, Justin Bieber's had a radical encounter with the Lord. And I don't know where he's at in that experience, but I got a little bit of intel, and I think it's sincere. And he's leading worship in churches and a part of leadership teams. And he's on his platform every day. And if you follow Justin Bieber for the last month, all he's posting on Instagram is guided prayer by Judas Smith and his wife Chelsea. And it's like, it's what you can get on Apple Music and it's guided prayer with like soaking music and scripture. And Justin Bieber for the last month has just been posting guided prayer. One of the largest, most influential social platforms in the world is Justin Bieber. And, and I don't care, once again, where you think he's at or where he's not. you got to pay attention to what's going on. There's a theme happening in the earth, and it's that God is about to declare his reign in the earth. But what's so exciting is that we have a whole generation of people right now that for the last 10 years have been deconstructing angry, psycho, weird God and been adopting good, loving Father God. And when the word comes out that Jesus is Lord, they're going to encounter goodness and not anger. It's going to be radical. And so if we're not in position to be ready for the moment where someone hears Jesus is Lord and needs an interpretation of what that means, come on, they need to know that Jesus is Lord means that they have a loving Father who wants to interact with them. Can I get a big amen? And so I believe in God's sovereignty, he's about to do that. And, and so in his sovereignty, he is about to do three major things, I believe. We will see three major experiences in the next 10 years. And these are not events, I believe. These are going to be continuous experiences. And, uh, and so internationally, I believe we are going to begin to see captives set free. Captives set free. And that's... Um, and that's exciting from a spiritual sense, but I believe it's also going to be from a hyper-literal sense. I believe the idea of holding people against their will is no longer going to be tolerated in the world. So, and this is not new information for you, 
But I think we are about to gain so much ground in the next 10 years that it's almost like, like the urgency is going to be relieved simply because of the fact that we're not going to be behind on it. We're going to be hitting it head on and be gaining so much ground that we're going to see the dignity of people rise in that moment. And so in Acts chapter 12, verse 6, um, I want to read a few scriptures here for you. And um, I feel like I'm shouting right now, and I'm sorry. Go ahead and shout about it, Drew Neal. I'm only passionate a little bit. Only a little bit. Acts chapter 12, verse 6. It says, now when Herod was about to bring him out, this is talking about Peter. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. Good job, Peter. Way to be obedient. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened up for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people um, and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. I believe that there are going to be sovereign visitations where God is going to send angels and he's going to set the captives free. So you're beginning to see this percolate in Middle Eastern countries right now where God's visiting people who are being imprisoned over their faith and he's literally, I mean, the stories that are coming out are unprecedented. The divine visitations, the sovereign visitations of people in the night hour where he's showing himself as savior. Highly influential Muslim leaders are converting to Christianity. The largest growth of the Christian faith around the world right now is where? Iran. The most people coming to Jesus per capita right now is in Iran. It is unprecedented, the underground church that's moving in Iran. Essentially what God has done in China is now happening in Iran. There is an underground church where people are being proliferated into freedom. And, uh, and how many know that God has a value on freedom? And so I believe the sovereign roar over the next 10 years, one of the things we're going to see, see the Lord declare as he says that he is Lord is that you are free. You are free. There's going to be a declaration out of the mouth of God that will show up to the captives and say, you were held captive, but now you are free. Say that with me. You are free. And so there, there is something, we are about to hear stories like we have never heard before of God showing up and doing things for people. And I tell you what, the, the response to the goodness of God because of these stories, I believe, are just going to change the course of history. Number two, I believe there's a national theme. So number one was an international theme. I believe there's going to be a national theme for us here in America. And I believe this national theme of the Lord, of Jesus roaring that he is Lord, is going to be that corruption is prosecuted. Corruption is prosecuted. This is not a political statement if you're a Republican in the room, this is not vindication for a party. If you're a Democrat in the room, this is not vindication for your party. This is the idea that all hidden things are going to be dealt with. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is not an agenda. This is not to promote an agenda or a certain set of values. This is the idea that what is true should reign. Even if it's not for you in an instance. How, how many know that Solomon gave a truth to the two mothers? 
he exercised a, a decree to the two moms who were arguing over the child that the child should be cut in half and they both can have one. A half. How many know that in that moment that he was offering a solution that didn't truly benefit either one of them? Right? But it was in that moment that truth rose to the surface by the real mother saying, if that's the decree, I offer the child to the other woman because I want to preserve the life of the child. And in that point, how many know we knew who the real mom was? And so this is not going to be we win and you lose. There's actually going to be very divine moments where it's going to look like that the person who is corrupt is winning. But then in a moment of generosity and a moment of uncommon kingdom strategy, we're going to find a way for truth to rise in an unparalleled way. And it's not going to be at the expense of the individual. It's going to be to the benefit of the life of the person that's trying to preserve. And so there's something very interesting about this you, you see in Esther. And in the book of Esther, chapter 7, I think this is central, and I'm shouting again. Dang it. Um. <laughs> in the book of Esther, chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, it says, So the kingdom... Uh, or the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day, at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had, had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could not compensate for the king's losses. So the king answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is the wicked Haman. And I really believe that there are Hamans that have taken advantage of the flexibility in the culture for the last 10 years, where things were wanting to be redefined. How many of you guys have ever been um, know, known that you were vulnerable in a moment and someone wanted to get around you in a vulnerable time? You know, um, in the dating world, this is called the rebound. Okay, you know, in the dating world, you get the person who just broke up and you go get them on the rebound. They're a little vulnerable. They'll say yes to you, but they're actually just a shark looking to get something. And so there have been Hamans who've been trying to get people who were disappointed and discouraged and living in the tension of this flexibility. The wineskin was moving. The wine was fermenting and it was uncomfortable. And they showed up in discomfort, promising something that they weren't able to deliver on. And there are Hamans in the culture that have taken on power broker positions. And because of it, corruption has set in at a level in the culture that's very difficult to maneuver through. How many would agree, no matter politically where you stand, that it's hard to know in the news what's true? How many would agree it's hard to know? It's like you listen to one person, they say they have facts, and then these people over here say they have facts, and yet the facts oppose themselves, and, and, and then there's just, and, and you just want to wash your hands of it. But how many know that as believers, we can't disengage in fear? And so I believe that God is, is wanting us, like Esther, to be faithful in our process, to show up and wait for the moment where the person of authority is going to say, Queen, what do you need? There's some ladies in the house saying, I've been waiting to hear that my entire life. <laughs> go ahead, queen, go ahead. What do you need? And so I believe that we're getting set up for a, for a Queen Esther moment in our culture 
where those who've been faithful and actually stood for truth and stood for the dignity of people and stood for the long-term goal of preserving who we are while also advancing the changes that need to take place, that those people have been getting in position and there's going to be an Esther who's led by a Mordecai full of the Holy Ghost that's going to be in an appointed situation that says, King, if I can have anything that I need, I want to declare there's an adversary in our midst and hey, will be named. So I believe that there's going to be a roar of justice. And I think we're going to be surprised at who encounters this roar of justice. And so I believe that when the Father says that he is Lord and he reigns in the earth, in America we're going to hear, you are accountable. Number one, the roar is going to hear, you are free. Number two, it's you are accountable. Everyone say, this is a super fun message. These are, these are not the ones I always get excited about. So, come on. How many know that this is some real stuff? I don't want to give you some fluff. I want you to begin to anticipate real needs and real places that we as believers need to be engaged on. Is that okay? So that we can pray and be a part of it accordingly. And number three, I believe that roar in the earth is going to impact us locally. And so when I say locally, you can think Detroit, you can think the state of Michigan. But in our local pro- uh, proximity, I believe that dignity is going to be released. And in the book of Ruth, chapter 2, you guys know this story. I'm running out of time. But it says that Boaz chooses Ruth. And when he chooses her, she says, it says in verse 10 of chapter 2, that she fell on the ground on her face, bowing and saying, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered to her, and he said, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord will repay you for what you have done. And a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. I believe that dignity is about to be released in our nation at a level like we've never seen before. I believe that the sovereignty of God is going to roar in the earth that it will bring and relieve the tension of the sovereignty of our nation while being open-handed in the compassion of the dignity of all. And that was a political statement. I said we need our sovereignty and our compassion at the same time. And if you camp in one of those areas, you're part of the problem. Because we need both, don't we? We need to know who we are, and then we need to be wide open to love those who need a hand up and find out how valuable they really are. I need a big amen on that one. Come on. We need both. Wisdom lies in the tension of these two worlds. And right now there's a polarization happening in our culture that's saying one aspect of truth is the whole truth. But how many know that wisdom is in the tension of two truths? It's called a paradox. And a paradox is the idea that two opposing ideas are held in tension with one another. How many know that we don't hold God and country as one, we hold them in tension? We do. What does that look like, Drew? Well, it looks like America is not the perfect, you know, arrival of heaven on earth. It's one of the better versions, but it's still man's idea. It's not God's idea. It's man's idea. It's man's best effort in a modern world that is adjusting and needing to find out how to make itself relevant for the world in a powerful way while preserving who we are and what we have done that is good. And so I believe here in Michigan, we are going to see dignity at scale. There's an empowerment proliferation through the roar of heaven. And God in his sovereignty is about to appoint people who were not known and they're going to begin to be known. There's people that have been in poverty that are going to gain wealth quickly. And they're going to use their wealth for great influence to empower people who've never known dignity ever in their entire life. And I tell you what, I have high intentions of being a part of that experience. 
And the roar of heaven, as God says, I'm going to reign in the earth, is going to be translated in this essence to, you are valuable. You are free, you are accountable, and you are valuable. I believe there's going to be a roar in the roaring 20s, unlike we've ever seen before, that's about to come through. And I tell you what, we got to get ready. We have to get ready. And, and so this, this looks like God showing up sovereignly. And, and so this is, a, this is a shift for me to be available to ask God to do something for me in a way where I'm not involved. Because I like being involved. Anybody like being involved? I like God working through me. I built a whole platform <laughs> that's coming on board in 2020 to be visible. But I've been building the back end of a platform for the last year and it's built off the idea that I'm not a problem, I'm a solution, and that God wants to work through me. And I'm going to continue to say that, but I do believe in the roaring 20s that God's about to do some things sovereignly outside of us that we need him to do that we could never do without him. And it's going to be radical. It's going to be radical. And so I, I really believe that we just need to let God do what he needs to do and trust him. You know, there's grievance in the earth, but how many know that diagnosing grievance isn't going to solve the problem? Talking about grievance alone isn't going to solve the problem. You know, activism all by itself is not going to solve the problem. Awareness is a good step, but how many know that we need people who have solutions that actually solve problems and don't just represent agendas with a limited benefactor of one or two or ten? Come on, we need millions of people to be benefactors from the solutions that we offer. Can I get a big amen? And so we need people who can engage what the Lord is about to do. And so there is a protocol, I believe, through this angel of the wind of change, through these roars, there is an order, a divine alignment that God is bringing into the earth as he roars that he is Lord of all. And it's going to show up sovereignly and set the captives free. It's going to deal with corruption, and it's going to elevate the dignity of all people. It's going to be remarkable. And so I think it's important for us not to be distracted by what we see or by what we hear. We have limited information and limited context for why things are happening the way they're doing. And, I, and, and what I've found out so far is that there's always more happening than I know. And it's hard to interpret people's motivations and their strategies. But what we do know is that we can engage it with our heart wide open and ask the Lord to show us where truth and where wisdom is. And I believe that God is mobilizing an Esther. He's mobilizing a Peter. He is mobilizing Ruths who are going to engage the process to receive the sovereignty of God. And I think we have a choice to make is will we judge the Peter and their testimony of their breakthrough? Will we judge the Esther as she brings justice to the things that are corrupt? And will we judge the Boaz who says that Ruth gets included? We have decisions to make here. Because God's doing things and it's going to seem different than maybe how you would prefer it to happen. And we have to be okay and trust our Father that he has our back and is willing to do something for us that we can never do for ourselves, even if it doesn't make sense in a moment. Can I get an amen on that? And so will you believe that the angel set Peter free? And will you be okay with Peter being set free by an angel? What if you believe Peter was supposed to be there? What if you believe Peter deserved to be there? What if your values don't allow for that person to be able to be set free, but yet an angel of the Lord shows up and says, you're free to go? What are you going to value? What are you going to acknowledge? What are you going to believe to be God? Are you going to be okay with the Queen Esther being a prostitute for two years before she becomes queen? Are you going to be okay with a prostitute being a mouthpiece to expose corruption? <laughs> that sounded like a political statement. That actually wasn't because that's been in the news the last few years. 
That wasn't commentary. But I tell you what, we're uncomfortable with the idea of who God is able to use and who he's not able to use. Can I get a big amen? Are we going to be open? Are we going to let Boaz say Ruth is included? She was a non-Jew. It was against the law for her to even live in Israel. And she followed Naomi home and said, hey, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And she goes there, and her husband's brother says, you are trash. You are not marriable. You are not included. You are out. And Boaz shows up to the council of rabbis, and he says, hey, you ten people who have made all the laws, I would like to accept this thing, that trash that this brother is saying that is worthless. According to the law, the brother was supposed to marry Ruth. He would have had children in his brother's stead to create a family legacy. And he's saying she's worthless. Boaz shows up and she says, hey, how have I found favor in your sight? And you know what he said? He said, I've heard your story. You see, one of the adjustments we're going to need to make if we're going to see dignity reign in the earth is that we're going to have to stop categorizing who's in and who's out and be willing to sit and listen to people's stories. It's real easy to be judgmental until it's your wife who's dealing with the situation. It's real easy to be judgmental about the situation until it's your own child who's walking it out. It's easy to be judgmental and categorize things until it's your neighbor who you spent 10 years with. It's easy to dignify who we say is valuable and who is not. And so the question is, I believe for you and the next 10 years, is will you let the sovereign God be sovereign? Will you let him do it? Because we need some help right now. Because we don't actually know what to do. Our culture's polarized. We can't have a discussion about anything. And we need real solutions in America and around the world. And we got to be okay with what God does sovereignly. Beyond your political agenda, beyond your preferences, beyond what you think to be true, when God does something, guess what? That's the truth. So who's the Peter in your life right now? That you're not sure if they're allowed to be set free. (laughs) Who's the Esther who may not be credible, but is going to represent your interests? that you need to allow to be in her place? And who's the person in your life that you think they might be out but need to be in? That you can begin to make room for by hearing their story, by dignifying them with value, by saying you're worth being listened to. Father, right now, I thank you for your roar that's coming in the earth. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your roar of, of, of you reigning in the earth is about bringing freedom, it's about bringing justice, and it's about bringing dignity like we have never seen before. Father, right now, we humble ourselves And we make ourselves ready that, Lord, we would be able to anticipate, Lord, what it is that you are about to do that we have never seen and that we would never be able to do alone. God, I ask for your roar to go in the earth and that, God, I would get my heart ready. I would get my heart wide open and that I would trust you in the process as things unfold and as they look different than how I would anticipate that, Lord, we would let you be who you need to be in the earth. And we yield ourselves right now. We yield our preferences. We yield our own needs, Lord, for the benefit of of many. And we ask God that you would show yourself in a remarkable way. Father, we ask that we can be part of the roar that says you are free. Lord, I ask that we can be part of the roar that you are accountable. And God, let us be part of the roar that says you are valuable. Father, let us partner with your roar in the earth. We thank you, God, 
for the invitation to be a part of your kingdom. You are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You are the president of all presidents. You are the ambassador of all ambassadors. Come on. You are the prime minister of all prime ministers. You reign. And God, we establish our trust in you to do what you need to do when we're not able to do it. And so, God, we thank you for your goodness that's about to be on display like we've never seen, (laughs) like we've never seen before. We just say yes to your goodness. We say yes to your sovereignty. We say yes to who you are and who you want to be. And we thank you, Lord, for this experience. And we say yes in Jesus' mighty name. Would you just stand with me right now? And I want you to find somebody really quick. And I want you to begin to make declarations about what it's going to look like to partner um, with these ideas of freedom, justice, and dignity. Pray these things out. Grab a person real quick. Just make some prayer. Make some declaration for the year, for the next 10 years. Partner up. Find somebody. And let's burst into 2020 with the roar of heaven at our back. Thanks for watching if you're streaming. God bless you guys. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for a remarkable 10 years. The roaring 20s, God. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We just agree together right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Let's just thank Drew for that powerful word. Can we thank him? It was so powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Come on, this is going to be a powerful decade that's going to change the way that we see the world. You guys ready for it? Come on. All right, well, thanks for being here tonight with us, you guys. And part two is next week. You don't want to miss it. I'm, I know I'm really excited to see, hear the second part. I was taking notes like crazy on my phone. So we'll see you guys next week. We love you. Have a great week.